Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to another episode of Squawk 7000. You can tell probably by the sound behind me that we're not in the studio for this episode. We're at an airfield where we love to be, particularly this time of the year, in Clombalogue. Um, the main event happening today is the annual general meeting of Funfly Aerosports. More about that shortly. But it's also an opportunity for me to catch up with two people that I've been wanting to talk to for ages. One man, of course, whose name is hugely associated with this podcast, Mark Twire. Hiya, Mark. Hi, Michael. Afternoon. Uh, yeah, catching you for this now has been my goal for a long, long time, because obviously all of the work that you've been doing with Flying in Ireland and indeed in terms of Squawk 7000. And I thought we'd have a bit of a chat, too, about, well, let me put it to you this way. How come you find yourself here on a Saturday in June at an airfield in Offaly? Well, I love flying, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's mainly for the AGM we're here today, so um, of course it's a, a, an opportunity to reflect back on the year that we've had and how mm. successful it's been and how much flying we're doing at the moment. And of course, it's always nice to get down here and do a bit of flying when the weather's good. What was the idea behind Funfly when you, when you started? Well, I suppose um, I think it all comes down to accessibility to flying. Um, historically. It's been quite difficult, I think, in this country, you know, outside of Dublin and Cork, maybe Galway and a few other places. Uh, it's quite difficult to access flight training. Um, so we put our heads together. It's something that we were thinking about for years and um, COVID, I suppose, gave us the, the time to mm. sit down and actually put our our, uh, our ideas uh, and plans together. But it's really just to make it as accessible as possible. Um, and to try standardise the training as much as possible. A lot of us have uh, experience in the commercial background, so we're yeah. trying to apply as much as we can the commercial concept of things. So uh, the idea of standardisation, using technology to reduce the cost of training so that we can mm. push out a lot of stuff through through online means, which means people can study in their own time and they can prepare everything in advance mm. so that they're much more prepared when they come to flying and they can get a lot more out of it. It seems counterintuitive for somebody to think, you know, that something that's recreation and fun actually d does really well with a couple of SOPs and standards and, and, as you say, electronic support in place as well. Yeah, it does. And it's it's not like, I suppose a lot of people might cringe with the thought of SOPs, standard operating procedures, mm. especially people with a, a, a professional background. But it's really just putting in a, a basic structure that you can work everything around just the idea you know simple things like checklist discipline like how to mm. read a checklist properly and then have it structured in, in such a way that you know you're always catching uh, catching errors trapping errors this whole um, concept of threat and error management which is 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 
very common in the uh, commercial world is to try and apply that down to general aviation. It's actually incredibly effective. Um, but you have to really understand it to be able to teach it. And I suppose we, we have that background in commercial aviation that we can kind of bring that to general aviation. The spread of instructors kind of highlights that as well, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, well, we're, we're a bit picky about the instructors we have, all right, which is nice because we've got a good cross-section and I suppose every club is struggling to try to find instructors at the moment, mm. every flying school as well. Um, but to find um, somebody that has a background in commercial aviation but also has a love of general aviation, um, there's a lot of them out there but that have a current instructor rating as well is mm. also mm. a challenge. And then, of course, everybody's busy when the weather's good. So, um yeah, we've got a really good team, a good, good cross-section of instructors from, um, you know, commercial background flying Boeing and Airbus and then general aviation commercial instructors with um, either professional instructors or also um, people with, like, you know, parachute experience, all that kind of stuff. Tell me about the choice of aircraft. So for years we were looking at, so as I said, for years we were thinking you're doing it without really having a plan in place to various different options. And the challenge, I suppose, with a training airplane is to find something that can stand up to the abuse of uh, of student flying. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. <laughs> yeah, but true. but if you think your average general aviation aircraft might do, on average, one landing per hour, whereas a training airplane is probably going to do eight to ten landings per hour, maybe a little bit less than that. But that's a huge amount of extra wear and tear in the aircraft. So you're kind of looking at something that is kind of affordable to operate, is durable, can stand up to the, you know, as a strong undercarriage, mm. um, has good handling characteristics, is safe. You know, there's a lot of things that go into the mix and there's a lot of airplanes out there. But actually, when you narrow it down and all the criteria that you want to, you're left with a few. So the Savannah fitted the bill for us. It was uh, a really excellent choice. We're doing a massive amount of hours at the moment and they're incredibly durable. We've got pretty much a 100% dispatch rate. They've stood up really well and uh, We've gone through some quite heavy maintenance on some of them now. We've come up through a thousand hour checks on some of them and, you know, there's no issues whatsoever. So they've worked out really well. How did you end up starting to fly in the first place? There's a question. Well, it's something I always wanted to do um, as far back as I could remember. And uh, my dad had done some flying lessons. So I suppose he had a, an interest as well. And as he always used to say, it was uh, the marriage license or the flying license. So, <laughs> so unfortunately, he gave up after a few hours. But yeah, I suppose I got uh, I got the love of it from that. And then my uncle uh, as well, who... Uh, Alan, who many of you would know from flying in Ireland as well, uh, he's a huge interest in aviation. So it was kind of always around the family. And then when I was 13, I got a flying voucher for Christmas and I was hooked after that. So I did that. Yeah, I was almost 14 when I did that. And ironically, my first instructor was John Dowds, who is now an instructor here with us at Funfly. Yeah. <laughs> he's just started recently. Right. So that just goes to show you how small the uh, yeah. the aviation community is. So, yeah, I did a couple of lessons uh, until I was 16. At that stage, you couldn't really log hours until yeah. you were 16. Um, did that, went solo when I was 17. Yeah, kept at it ever since. Yeah, you, yeah, do you notice that he's just put an entire career in, in one sentence and kept at it ever since? I, I mean, the, the other question I'd be curious, and maybe you know the answers, how many types have you flown? Oh, uh, I don't know. A fair amount now. Yeah, I'd say it's probably in the order of about 50, uh, but I'd have to check my logbook for that. Mm. But yeah, but the usual types, there's a few interesting ones in there. I suppose the the, the range of Cessnas and Pipers would be in there, uh, a load of Microlites, um, and then a couple of old vintage types as well. So yeah, that's uh, a good range. Uh, flying the Chipmunk, in fact, last weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chipmunk, one that's of my favourite ones. The Irish Historic Flight, which was set up in 2015, 
uh, great initiative to try and celebrate, kind of highlight the history that Ireland has in aviation, which is uh, it's quite impressive when you think of it for such a small um, country. Something happening in the background yeah, yeah, yeah. there, yeah. I think somebody's getting a bit of a round of applause yeah. for their jump, otherwise. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's um, it's a great initiative. So in, instead of storing an aircraft in a museum, the idea here is to try and keep the aircraft alive. So mm. it started uh, with two chipmunks, 169 and 170, and uh, 168 then, which is the original Irish Air Corps chipmunk, was donated very early on. So 2015, I think we had all three flying. Mm. And then it's grown over the years, so it's um, we've we've got the Stearman, I, I want to say 2019 maybe, um, Boeing Stearman, EIHFD, which the the link there to history would be that that was bought by um, Tony Ryan yes. when um, um, it was actually I think it was in the late 90s when so Ryan were operating the 200s at the time and they had just bought their first brand new 800s from Boeing. And I believe the story is that the Ryan family wanted their own Boeing, so they bought a Boeing Stearman. Uh, and if you look at it, it's actually yeah. in the Ryanair colours, which yeah. is not that obvious uh, uh, initially. But it's got the yellow wings and the, the dark blue fuselage. And at one stage, I believe it had the harp on the tail, which has since been removed. Nice. And now recently, this week, I should say, we've just got uh, the Reams Rocket 208, okay. uh, which was moved from Baldonnell on... Uh, Thursday evening, I think this week, and is now in Ballyboy. So you should see that on the air show circuit this year. And of course, I think you know you look at the reams, the the amount of hours on those aircraft apparently is phenomenal. Yeah, and I'd say there's a, a fantastic list of names in the logbooks as well, even for the chipmunks as well. Um, having uh, brought them around the country to various events and uh, lots of uh, retired pilots coming up to you to say that I did my first solo on that airplane or I, I flew that because obviously there would have been a lot of Air Corps pilots that, that learned to fly in those chipmunks but also the Irish Air Corps trained the uh, Aer Lingus pilots as well so there's a lot of Aer Lingus pilots that flew those aircraft uh, that did all their initial training on the chipmunks. A 182 just taxiing past us here as we do that. I, Mark, there's a question I suppose uh, it occurs to me, and you know, I've returned to flying after being away from a number of years and, and really am enjoying it again. Again, it's because flying is accessible again. But you're working at it, yeah. you're instructing at it. Yeah. Do you still enjoy it? I do, absolutely. I enjoy the variety of it, and lots of people say, well, how can you get out if you're working, flying? You know, every day during the week, how can you get into a small airplane and enjoy it? And for me, I see them as two completely different um, concepts. Where, you know, flying commercially is enjoyable; it's a great job to have. Um, but at the same time, it's very structured, it's very regimental, and it's very uh, procedural in what you do. Where you go to fly a small airplane is completely different. You have the freedom to go where you want. Go. You're under no time pressure. If you want to go somewhere, you can go anywhere pretty much. And if you want to stop and have lunch or stop somewhere else for a cup of tea, you know, it's great. So it gives you the freedom. And uh, that's something that you don't get with, with commercial aviation. And then instructing as well. You know, most flight instructors will tell you there's something really nice about being able to teach somebody something and then watch them demonstrate it back to you. And then, of course, the ultimate is when you send the first solo. I was going to say that that is, that is a moment I've spoken to many instructors and, and just tried to get in under the skin of what's it like to stand at the side of the runway when this person takes an airplane off on the road. Well, most students probably don't realise, but the instructor is usually a little bit nervous as well. <laughs> 
but no, we we, we normally have every yeah, confidence. They're ready for it. Yeah, they're ready exactly. for it exactly. So no, it's really great, and it's um, it does fill you with pride when uh, when you see them do their their first landing and they come in and they shut down and they're they're so happy with mm-hmm. themselves. And it's uh, you know I even remember mine going back 17th of April 2003. Don't no, the I don't forget the date. Yeah, yeah. Oh, from my 07 in Weston in uh, Charlie Hotel Mike so I can remember all the details and yeah it's like I think most pilots would be able to tell you the date of their first solo because it's such a um, I suppose a landmark in their in their career anything on you know often to talk to pilots about their log books um, and I'm not going to say log book books for you yeah. of, of a particular flight that stands out for you or, or, or one that you you really truly enjoyed Hard, uh, it's hard to say one in particular. Yeah, there's been some really nice flights um, that I've done. To try and put one in particular, I'm not sure. We did one a few years ago, and, uh, a few years ago, 15 years ago probably. When was it? 2006 or seven. We took a Piper Cub from Weston and we flew to Abbey Shrew. And uh, it was a really nice one. It was an L18 with it was no electrical system in it, so it's a hand swing, and uh, you know you fly the door open. We flew to Abishul and we took a samba from Abishul. We flew to the Aran Islands. That was really, really nice. And we did the, the whole, you know, flying over the Father Ted uh, ship and all around there. So the, yeah, the 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 Aran Islands are spectacular scenery, and we've done a lot of flying around the west coast as well. What else? My first solo on the Chipmunk was a great one as well. I remember that one. That was at a Ballyboy Airfield. I flew gyroplanes for a while as well, actually. Yeah, my first solo in the gyroplane was really cool. I actually really enjoyed flying. Now, I don't fly them anymore, but uh, again, my instructor, Paddy O'Reilly, is also an instructor here at Funfly. So again, it just shows you how small the it community is. Small is. Yeah. Community, yeah. yeah. You mentioned we, because sitting beside you is Jenny Jacobs. Jenny, um, your connection to this man. Oh, uh, going back a long time now. Um, what? Well, we did. We have. We passed the twenty-year mark last year. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And he mentioned some of those trips. Um, you? Do you fly yourself? I don't. No. Have you avoided that? I I don't really know. Um, yeah, I've like I say, I've been been around a long time in in the background, um, and I suppose it's quite. Well, recently, really, our um, our four-year-old daughter Maeve, she's shown a, a bit of a keen interest. And Mark took her. We were down here about two weeks ago, and uh, Mark brought her for a little taxi along the ground, and she's kind of been hooked ever since. But I think when she started showing an interest, I, I realised I was outnumbered in the family. You can't beat them. You you, you got to join them. <laughs> and to that extent, that's another opportunity for us to have a chat about your involvement in aviation now, which is Pilot.ie, which we've mentioned on the podcast. Before. Before, but tell us more about it. Yeah, so Mark and I recently, and Maeve, we recently moved back from the UK a couple of months ago. We were living over there for 10 years, and um, something that we really noticed back here was uh, you know, the, the impact of Brexit and how difficult it is to, to get your hands on a lot of things. And even if you can get your hands on things, that, that fear um, when it arrives, is it going to come with a yeah. customs decla- declaration? Yeah. You know, are there going to be taxes? What are you going to have to pay? And, and that unknown. And, you know, it's definitely put me off, you know, buying things. And so we realised that that must kind of, you know, carry through in, into aviation. And so I guess that's one of the reasons that we set up Pilot.ie, uh, which is our kind of online pilot supply shop. And the idea is that, you know, we negotiate with with all the suppliers in the UK. You know, we, we take on that stress and work out the charges, all that kind of thing. And then 
you know on our website what you what you pay, what you see is 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 what you pay. So it's kind of hoping to take the the stress out of it for for people. We're going to let the 182 taxi pass us. It's the longest uh, pre-flight check I've ever heard. <laughs> really distinctive sound off that airplane too. Um, so yeah, pilot supplies. Um, you know, think about it. I suppose it's one of those things. As a student, you're probably reasonably keen to get all the bits that you need in advance. You've actually put all of these things together as as packs or kits for people. We do. We've we've put together some start like different kind of starter packs. Like you know, one of the things that people obviously associate with learning how to fly is like, oh god, that's that's super expensive, mm. and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna need all this very expensive you know kit. And actually, that's that's not always you know the case. And it does you know the certain essentials that you need and then the certain things that are nice to have and then the certain things that you buy that you're never going to use so you know we, we'd like to think that we're kind of just helping people with with those starter packs to kind of to filter out through the stuff that they actually need and but then also you know the extras if they've got birthdays coming up you know, the nice things that people can people can buy for you so uh, we've got a range of of training manuals we've got all the all the key books one one to seven yes yeah, so we've got all the training manuals and we've we've actually just this week got in a whole uh, new range of books kind of more you know general aviation interest books we've got flight bags uh, we've got all the kind of navigation equipment that you'd need kind of for the for the beginning there's a few of the bits there, so if you want to let the 182 go past again. Yeah, there's a few extras there, so if you're doing, uh, say if you want to expand your horizons and get a night rating, we've got a night rating, oh, instrument okay. rate, basic right. instrument rating, which is the new rating from EASA that's come out in the last couple of years, uh, tailwheel, uh, differences training, all that kind of stuff. So there's the basic PPR training material, and then there's the stuff that actually, you know, maybe... Uh, you know, I want to do something like this in the future, so you can get a book on it as well. Um, and then, like Jenny said, there's the, the kind of general um, aviation interest books that have a link to Ireland to some description. So either you know, it might be the, but there's one there recently about the Defence Forces and the development of the Air Corps. If you've got uh, an interest in that, and then there's, uh, there's a few other books um, written by Guy Warner, who's a, a very well-known author about uh, aviation topics on the islands. So yeah, there's, there's various, and it's something that we're looking at, and we're constantly increasing the range and mm. looking at other options. And if anyone has any feedback, you can send it to <laughs> us, and we'll see what we can yeah, we can find out. Keep keep coming up with the idea especially with Christmas uh, oh, did I say the C oh, word no, I did no the, the Christmas it's word I know it's only it's only June I know I know you mentioned something there Mark which I want to just uh, triggered me to ask you again about it which was that something that Funfly brought in recently which was the Wings Award uh, and this again is something I know that you've got a big interest in which is PPLs, people when they've got their license, you know, get a little bit fed up of burning holes in the sky, as you'd say, and you've even an idea for them. Yeah, so we started the Wings, uh, the Funfly Wings Award last year, and it's. Um it gives PPS, so somebody who's just got their license, a bit of structure to go and do something else. So mm. we've all seen it in the past where the, P- the PPL course is very structured in that, okay, I need to do my first solo, I need to do my first mm. solo nav, then I need to do my mock test and my test. But once that, that is finished and you're out on your own, you've mm-hmm. no targets anymore. So mm. it's nice to, to have something to work towards. So within the, the Funfly Awards, it's, this, it's broken down into four areas. One is the number of hours you have for the bronze, silver, gold. There's various different PIC hours that you have to achieve. Then there's a navigation challenge where you need to fly. Um, so for the PPL, you need to 150 miles. We said, okay, for the bronze award, let's make it 200 miles. So land at two other airports and do a 200 mile uh, cross country. And then the, the silver one is a little bit more and the gold one's a little bit more again. And then we have a safety seminar 
So this afternoon, after the uh, front play AGM, we're going to have Air Nav Ireland here to talk about airspace. And that will count towards a safety seminar for anybody who's going, who wants to do that. Mm. Uh, and then there's an additional qualification. So that could be something like your tailwind differences training, uh, float plane rating, um, <laughs> uh, night rating, instrument rating, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's to try and challenge people to get another qualification, not just to sit on their PPL and do nothing, but actually go out. And, and, and schemes like this, and they're popular in other parts of the world, uh, they've proven to increase flight safety because, one, people are staying current, two, they're expanding their horizons and it's not a bad thing to sit in with an instructor from time to time and normally a pilot will do that every two years when they uh, do their refresher training for their SEP uh, but actually if you're going to do differences training for a tailwheel or an SCP float rate uh, an SEC float plate rating something like that then you know you're sitting in with an instructor as well and you, you always learn something when you do that so it's it's got a, a great effect on aviation safety as well. As I said, the uh, main reason we're chatting you today, of course, is the AGM. Um, it's good news for Funfly. You're growing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, over 150 members now, as we speak, which is not bad, considering we're only two, uh, two well, coming up to three years old. So that's been really positive. We've had quite a few students recently that have qualified and are now doing things like uh, the Funfly Awards. And a lot of them will be have one eye on a commercial career mm. so they're okay. kind of jumping into our building but they're actually using the, the Funfly Awards as a kind of a structure to do that so they're saying well okay I need to do a 200 mile cross country where am I going to go so uh, we've had them you know, fly up to Donegal just in the last week actually we've had airplanes in Sligo, Donegal Waterford uh, Abbey Shrill we're in most days Weston I think <laughs> two of our airplanes are in Weston at the moment are on the way up there so yeah it's, uh, it's great to see so many students keep flying after they qualify. And I think the other thing that's interesting uh, to observe is the, the mix of men and women and the age range as well. It's, it's very representative in the group. Yeah, absolutely. We've got, you know, we've students, we've had quite a few students solo at 16, which is uh, <laughs> great to see. And yeah, right at the upper end of the scale. I don't want to give away anybody's ages, but we, <laughs> they go right up there. And yeah, a good cross section. So yeah, it's it's really great to see, uh, and and that comes back to one of the the core values of the club that we started is to make make flying accessible. We have we're based in Club Oak, so we're in the Midlands here, but we have a huge amount of people that are actually relatively local to the airfield that have started to fly which I'm pretty much convinced would never have started to fly only for the existence of the club. And that's why I'm convinced that, you know, if there were other clubs in similar, you know, in each county in Ireland, that they would equally do well. I think there's a huge amount of untapped demand in the country. If you look at the uh, demographics, and I suppose we compare ourselves to the UK a lot, like we're way down on pilot numbers, even even adjusted for, for population size. It should be a lot more popular. Now, of course, they have the the history I suppose to go with and they have the infrastructure there which we don't have to some extent but it is um, it, I think there's a huge amount of untapped demand so I, I think all the clubs are busy at the moment and um, a lot of them are struggling with instructors but I, I'm pretty convinced that if there were more clubs in the country there would be a lot more people flying and uh, you know we, we don't do too much controversy but it, it, for a long time it was quite difficult and very expensive if you decided you were going to do something past the PPL or a new regulation would come up and hit you every now and and then you probably would say to me that there's, there's a lot more logic and clear thinking in the process these days. Well, one of the great things I think now is that the rules are standardised. So we're working off European regulations, which means uh, there's no difference in national rules or there's very little difference in national rules between all of the countries. 
and that makes it very it makes it easy now if you have an Irish license and you want to do a seaplane rating like you can't do a seaplane rating in the country at the moment but you could go to another country um, you know Lake Como in Italy is a place in uh, Poland that does them and you can do your seaplane rating put it on your Irish license without any issue and continue on and and there are quite a few Irish pilots with seaplane ratings they just um, well, there's a handful of seaplanes in the country um, but that would have been a lot more difficult under the JAR system and it goes you know the same for uh, instrument ratings multi-engine ratings all that kind of stuff it does make it a lot easier now because the rules are standardised so another load just going there into the pack with the Irish Parachute Club uh, with Mark and Jenny here another lovely weekend of flying and as we bring our chat to a close your hopes for pilot.ie and what, what 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 we should look out for well with the lovely kind of summer weather now we we want to get out and about a, a little bit more um so obviously we're we're down here today with at the agm um, and we, you know we brought brought a bit of stock with us so people can can have a look at or uh, buy if they so wish and we have a couple of events booked in in two weeks time on the 25th of june we'll be up at the Tabowan uh fly-in and hopefully we will get to Weston at the end of July and uh, we're booked in for the Bray Air Show as well. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to have people come along and, and have a chat come and have a browse. Yep. Yeah, come talk to us. And, um, yeah, if there's, I suppose I, I'll try to get to as many of them as well as possible and particularly Bray. It'd be nice to talk to people there and if anyone's interested in learning to fly or uh, needs a bit of advice on something, we'd be happy to, to help out. Thanks to Mark and Jenny. That's it for another Squawk 7000. More in a couple of weeks' time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.